when he talks about holistic spirituality, then he's talking about growing towards wholeness and that we all have our preferences and our personality structures, but we sh part of our wholeness is that when something else is required of us, that we actually have access to it because we have a fully orbed personality. We've developed aspects of ourselves that aren't necessarily our preference so that when it's time for us to interact with other people and something else is needed, we're able to bring it. Wow, that is, to me, that's quite the call. Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and in this season, I am glad to be back with my conversation partner, Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and transforming in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. This season, we're walking through Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. It's part of the Transforming Resources collection published by InterVarsity Press. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast. Just visit transformingcenter.org patron to sign up and learn more. We thank you so much for your monthly support at any level. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Uh, hey, Ruth, it's so good to be back with you. We're going to talk about... Uh, this idea of creation gifts, uh, a phrase that I love that he uses. So let's get right into it. What does Mulholland mean uh, by the phrase creation gifts? Well, he's talking about the personality, the way that we talked about it, you know, in the last episode, that, um, that the life of Christ comes through our personalities, you know, and that we don't lose our uniqueness. We don't use our, lose our personalities, which is the created gift, the way God created us precisely in every way, our bodies, our minds, our souls, our personalities. Um, those are God's creation gifts, and they are very personal to each and every one of us. They're very individual. We each have our individual personality preferences that characterizes our being and our doing. And what I like about what he says is, you know, we live in a culture where self-actualization is, you know, kind of a big deal. Um, it's not so much, he is not talking about self-actualization. He's talking about our unique creation gifts being means of grace for the enrichment of, for our community of faith. Isn't that something? Mm, yes. So he's, Mulholland's not talking about self-actualization when he talks about spiritual transformation, and we ought not think about it that way. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but we are talking about the fact that God created each one of us in certain ways out of God's creativity because God is creative and God is a creator. And so each and every individual being so unique is actually about God and God's creativity, Ooh, not about yeah. us. Um, and then also that the creation gifts are given for us to enjoy, yes, but they're, they're means of grace for the enrichment of the community of faith. And a thread throughout his work is that there is no holistic spirituality for the individual outside the community of faith. So in the community of faith, then we experience the goodness of all the creation gifts coming together into the whole, rather than each one of us having to be all the and be the end all all the time. We can bring who we are uniquely. Other people bring who they are uniquely. And then together we make up the whole of the body of Christ on the earth now. Mm. Well, it's, it, again, he's so masterful in his mm -hmm. language. And, yes. You know, so creation reflecting mm -hmm. the creator. That's right. And encompassing all of us. Yes. 
and gifts mm -hmm. for ourselves and right. for each other. We receive gifts, we give gifts, and this right. is how it all works. Yeah, it's and the masterful. word self is not in there. No. Nope. The word self, self-actualization nope. and all that's not in there because that's nope. not, not what we're getting at here. Um, I think it's a more, much more humble kind of participation in the human community, the way that he's talking about it. Um, and then <clears throat> the other thing that I just love about his work is that when he talks about holistic spirituality, then he's talking about growing towards wholeness and that we all have our preferences and our personality structures, but we sh part of our wholeness is that when something else is required of us, that we actually have access to it because we have a fully orbed personality. We've developed aspects of ourselves that aren't necessarily our preference so that when it's time for us to interact with other people and something else is needed, we're able to bring it. Wow. That is, to me, that's quite the call. Mm -hmm. that, that's a for the sake of others right now is for me to say, well, I'm an introvert, but what's needed right now is for me to be social and emotionally available. See, in, in, even in my personality, I can make myself available for yeah. the sake of others if I am practicing wholeness as opposed to just honing in on my own personality type and saying, well, this is who I am. This is what you get. This is all you get. That's not where Bob's taking us. Bob's taking us to the place of having access to all the personality characteristics so that we can always bring what is needed in the moment. And he would define that as holistic spirituality, as wholeness in Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that because it differentiates between, <laughs> you know, faking it until I make it mm -hmm. or it's like, no, there's actually a way mm -hmm. to cultivate a different part of me and it's really in there and it's mm -hmm. really me uh, i don't have to fake it but i do need to cultivate it for the sake of others that's right and access it appropriately yeah. for love i mean that right for love i'm willing to talk right now even though i'd rather be mm -hmm. inside myself mm -hmm. right oh, that's so good. for love maybe i could be quiet right now because that's what you need even though i'd like mm -hmm. to talk mm -hmm. you're needing to process things more quietly so i can for love decide not to talk right now mm -hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's, oh, yeah. that's so different than mm -hmm. what you just said about, um, you know, faking it. It's not faking mm -mm. when you really have access and you do it from love. And it's, it's framed within the limitations of you can't, you know, always do something right. that you, but mm -hmm. it, but you can sometimes move past a preference. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful thing. And like, we typically think about that in terms of, we're always trying to teach our, I mean, my kids are 13, 11, and 11, you know, so we're teaching them a lot to, you know, try to think yeah. of others, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a lesson that we all need to keep cultivating right. uh, as we get older and as we, you know, are, as, as we find ourselves in situations that we are feel uncomfortable in or we'd rather not be in. What does it mean to choose to cultivate love? Mm -hmm. That's, right. that is an invitation, again, that's an invitation that I would like to receive. Mm -hmm. I would like to learn how to do that, right. you know? Um, so, well, in this chapter, Mulholland uses the Myers-Briggs uh, extensively. And I know that, um, that you have really, really loved um, and I'm a psychology major, Ruth, so I'm going to have a lot oh, to say about all right. this. Man. All right, I, Dr. <laughs> Steve, I'm ready. We're ready. <laughs> Bring us into what the Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. is and how it helps us cultivate our creation gifts. Yeah. Hey, Steve, before we go any farther with this conversation, I wonder if we should define our terms just a little bit. 
So the Myers-Briggs is a typology and, you know, everybody loves a good typology, right? <laughs> um, and uh, it comes out of Carl, Carl Jung's study of human behavior. And he discovered that human beings have four essential preference patterns or preferences that shape how they relate to the world and how they process the data that they receive in the world. So he organized these preferences into four pairs or four dyads. Um, the first is introversion and extroversion. The second one is sensing and intuition. Um, and those terms are a little bit difficult because sensing is, is actually about feeling it in your body, whereas intuition is what it sounds like. It's someone who has these intuitive capabilities. So oftentimes a person who is sensing is someone who's very concrete in the way that they approach life as opposed to someone who feels that they know things. Um, and then there's, there's thinking and feeling. So a thinker, it's not that feelers can't think. It's, it's, it's about preferred preference. Let's be really, really clear about that. So the preference is to think about things rather than feel things. A feeler would have a preference to feel their way into things versus thinking about things. But it doesn't mean they can't. Right. It's just that they have a preference. Right. And then the final one is judging and perceiving. And I'm sorry that these words are not more positive. Um, because the J, the J on the Myers-Briggs is just someone who likes a lot of closure, someone who likes to follow the rules, someone um, who sees things as being fairly black and white, uh, someone like that. Whereas the P on the Myers-Briggs, which stands for the word perception, that's someone who's more spontaneous, who likes to leave all their options open, who doesn't like schedules and plans and time frames and things like that. Um, and it's a preference again, because I'll just, I'm just going to make an admission right now. I am a P on the Myers-Briggs, and anyone who's been on our retreats knows that our retreats are pretty structured. So it is a gift I give <laughs> to our communities to fit in to a very structured experience, because there's no way for 100 people to move through a transforming community experience without a pretty tight structure. It's not my preferred way, but I developed the structure. So all that means is that even though I prefer open-ended spontaneity, and when I go on vacation, the best part of vacation for me is that there's no schedule yeah. and that there's no plan. So, but when I'm in community and when I'm leading and putting together our communities, I know this is needed. So I transcend my P-ness, if you will, um, so that I can bring to our communities what is most needed, and that is structure, and that is plans, and it's hard on me. And the people around me know that I struggle. And sometimes what I've had to do to help myself, um, especially in this area of the P and the J, is to actually tell myself and remind myself that it's loving to my team if I show up on time. Yeah. It's not loving for me to say, you know what, I don't like our schedule, so I'm just going to keep being late. Um, it's part of my loving of my team and our communities to show up and do this thing that doesn't really come naturally for me. And it doesn't ever come easy. It's never easy. And it, and it wears me out sometimes, but it's good for our communities. Yeah. And so I do it and I'm happy to do it. So do you see what I mean? It's not yep. that I can't, it's just that it's not as, it's not my preferred way. Yep. Um, so, you know, hit, so, you know, the Myers-Briggs is all predicated on the fact that we all have our preferences. Now, some people will be an X on one of the spectrums, which means that they are evenly divided. And this often, most often happens with the extrovert and the introvert, that there will be a person who's an X, which means that they are right in the middle of being an introvert and an extrovert. And um, 
so that, that that's its own that's its own situation for them. So um, I don't think I'll say anything more about the tool itself and the and the categories, but I just wanted to get a little bit of that out there so that for listeners who aren't familiar, they can know what we're talking about. Thanks, Ruth. That was really helpful. Well, I think you know everyone has probably taken the Myers Briggs type indicator and maybe used it in team building exercises or used it to understand our strengths and um, and it's valuable in that way and and at the same time I think you know we've also moved towards the Enneagram as a tool because the Enneagram is crafted to sort of get at the, the dark side the shadow side and so that's very helpful and we've talked about the Enneagram quite a bit um, and we do use the Enneagram in the Transforming Community Experience, but we also do use the Myers-Briggs the way that Mulholland uses it in his book, Invitation to a Journey, because what he does is so different, I think, than the way we typically use the Myers-Briggs, because he uses it to identify a great paradox of the spiritual life, and that is that a balance in a healthy whole spirituality is fully settled and accepting and able to celebrate our creation gifts, who we are fundamentally, the essence of who we are as created by God, as we're being redeemed on, on this earth. And if we are growing spiritually, we are also able at times to transcend our personality types when that is what is called for. When what love calls for in any given situation is something that's different than my preference, I'm able to transcend my personal preference to bring what is needed in the moment or to bring what is called for by love. And that is what Mulholland means by holistic spirituality. Um, and he holds this up as a major aim and goal of our spiritual formation process is the ability to transcend, to fully accept and live in our creation giftedness, but also to transcend it when that's what the moment calls for. Mm. And so as we understand the Myers-Briggs better, and this is the way I use it for formation, when we understand what our preferences are and we are fully owning that, we also then have a better understanding though of what it would mean to another person for us to transcend that sometimes. So that we can give them what they need or so that we can bring what the moment calls for, even if it's not our personality preference. And so I think there's a there is a powerful call here beyond one sided spirituality, which is the phrase he uses is to say that um, it's very easy to cultivate a spirituality around our personality preferences. And that's not formation right there. Right. To form a spiritual life around your own preferences. Well, that's just self-absorption right there. It's not yeah, transformation. Yeah, and I would also add like this, you know, authenticity is such a big value, I mm -hmm. think, culturally and also really even within many faith traditions and especially including Christianity. But that can become this way of saying, hey, what you see is what you get. Uh, That's right. You know, I'm not I'm not kind right now, but I'm authentic. Right. And and this is not what Mulholland is getting at at all. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a very very shallow view, right? Of right. expressing <clears throat> one's creation gifts. Yeah. So you know, first he does really help us to celebrate our creation gifts, to acknowledge them, to know what they are, to live within them, to to you know. Um, provide enough in our in our own lives for the nurturing of the personality preference. But he also then identifies the shadow side, and he talks about the shadow side in a different way than we often talk about it. We often think of the shadow side as being the sinful side, the dark side. 
He identifies the shadow side as the undernourished shadow side, the opposite preference pattern. And he says that's a shadow in us only because it's undernourished, only because we've never invited it to flourish at all. Mm, I like Um, that. Isn't that beautiful? And so then what he's saying is that holistic spirituality is then nurturing the shadow side, the undernourished shadow Mm. side. So if I'm an extrovert, my undernourished shadow side is thoughtful, reflective, Mm -hmm. quiet being. So as an extrovert, I claim the fact that I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love community. I love parties, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I do have a shadow side. And if I don't, and his point is that if we don't nourish the undernourished shadow side, eventually later in life, the undernourished shadow side will rise up to bite us. And it will, it will, it will rise up and it will insist on attention and it will assist, insist on being paid attention to. And oftentimes when that happens, we're in a dangerous position because we don't know how to deal with that shadow side. So for instance, um, you know, here's a really extreme, but not so extreme example. So say, you know, a pastor type who's gone to seminary and loves theology and has studied their Bibles and preaches and is kind of heady in their approach, haven't cultivated the feeling side, haven't cultivated the sensing side. Um, They've kept it all in their heads and in their 50s somewhere along the way, um, they begin to feel an attraction to someone who's not their spouse. And because they don't know how to deal with that part of themselves because it's undernourished, they haven't had enough feeling experiences. They haven't had enough sensual experiences or sexual experiences. They haven't developed that side. They are ambushed Mm -hmm. by their passion because it's unattended, Yeah. because it's been unattended. And so they make grave mistakes in that moment because they didn't attend to the undernourished shadow side and that's, that shadow side existed unnourished for too long. And so now it's rising up. There's lots of other things going on potentially as well. But this is one of the things that's happening is that the mm. undernourished shadow side is now rising up and saying, hey, we've been doing a lot of thinking. I want to feel something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, I've been in my head a lot. I would like some more sensual experience, you know? Mm. Um, and that that's a part of what happens in failures. It's not everything, but it's a part of it. And um, so his, the way that he works with the Myers-Briggs, I think is just powerful for our transformation because that undernourished shadow side is starved. It's starved for attention and it will manifest itself in unspiritual behaviors as long as we don't pay attention to it. And so part of holistic spirituality then is to know what we are and accept it and claim it and be it at the same time cultivate the undernourished shadow mm. side. So, you know, I want to I want to pick on everybody equally right here. <laughs> so, um, so the, you know, for the introvert, if you stay to yourself too much um, and you're not out there in the world of people and you don't have community around you, then it's very easy for introverts to give in to morbid introspection, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, isolationism, if you will, uh, to no accountability. Um, you know, that, that the introvert, when they've under, when the extroverted part, the relational part is undernourished, they, they have their own debilitating destructive patterns that they can slip into because they're, they're, they're one-sided. They've yeah. developed a spirituality that's one-sided. Yeah. How's it, how am I doing, Dr. Steve? Well, you're you're doing very, very no, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, but I'm I'm just I'm just I guess um, 
I am being reintroduced in, into Mulholland because it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And I f- had forgotten that that's how he defined that undernourished is such a gracious and graceful way mm-hmm. of addressing that part of us that um, sometimes moves toward real, real sin, but it starts as being unattended. Under, yes. You know, yes. and I like that idea of what does it mean to attend to those undernourished um parts of ourselves mm-hmm. is so again gracious and challenging you know well and fresh because until i read mulholland i had never heard anyone use the myers-briggs this way yeah um for formation for our formation it was always know your strengths build mm-hmm. on your strengths mm-hmm. strengths finders all that um and it was always about team building well mm-hmm. you bring this and i bring that and for us to work together well we have to do this that's that's all very helpful but for our formation i think this approach is, is actually quite stunning because he says that we all have a tendency to adapt patterns and to create a spirituality that favors our preferences, yeah. which is not holistic at all. So part of the spiritual journey is to actually um, cultivate the parts of ourselves that have been undernourished up to that point so that we don't function with blind spots because there are some real dangers that he identifies in his, in his work around what happens when we cultivate only a one-sided spirituality. And I think I, I want to name some of those because the dangers are very, very real. Um, one of the dangers would be blind spots, things that we just can't see mm-hmm. because we're only nurturing our one, our, our preference patterns. Um, he talks about um, shipwreck where major mistakes are made, which yeah. is what we've just been talking yeah. about. Um, and where people who of faith might even abandon their faith and Christian practice um, because they have only been participating in a very shallow version of spirituality that really hasn't impacted them at the deepest levels. Can I say something about yeah. that, Ruth? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I, June first. I celebrated my 25th year of pastoring, mm-hmm. and I'm so shocked that I'm still a pastor. Oh, congratulations! And I'm always shocked that I mm-hmm. that I ever became one. Mm-hmm. But the the number one conversation I have with people who feel like they're losing their faith mm-hmm. is that they just need permission to move beyond what used to work, but mm-hmm. is now too shallow to work. You know, right. like they, they actually need to Or graduate. we could say too one-sided. Too one-sided, yeah. It's too one-sided. Yeah, like so I've been, oh, Steve, I, I, I just, I'm having a, such a hard time even reading my Bible anymore. I just, and, and I ask, okay, so how have you read your Bible? Well, I've, I've done 14 straight years of read, you know, read through the Bible in one year. And so it's like, okay, well, that was great, you know, but now can we see that maybe you've, to use your phrase, read the Bible too much for information, and now it's time to read it for transformation. So let's look at it in a different light, in a different way. And so I just, I'm, I'm saying I'm underlining this, this need to move beyond the one-sided spirituality in a number of arenas. And I'm also saying many people feel like they're losing their faith when really they're just at a threshold moment where they need That's to, right. they need to expand and, and That's adapt. Right. right. And so our traditions are often built around preferences of the, you know, yeah. of, of the founders, if you will. So if you were raised in a particular tradition, there is probably almost certainly going to come a moment when your tradition is not enough. Mm-hmm. And probably it's because it was a bit, it was weighted towards an aspect of personality. Yeah. So what you're going to seek out. So for instance, an evangelical Protestant who's been heady and activistic and all of that, um, will probably move towards 
some of the more sacramental expressions of faith, whether it's Episcopalian, Anglican, mm -hmm. or Catholic, mm -hmm. because they want something more mystical. They want something more mysterious. Do you know what I'm saying? And yep. so they're yep. actually moving towards wholeness yep. by, you know, by seeking out something that rounds out mm -hmm. their experience of faith. I have a friend that just... He used to be Protestant. He just converted to Catholicism, mm -hmm. he and his family. And to watch him, why he did that, and to mm -hmm. watch him move through that was just a beautiful, beautiful uh, journey of of nourishing that which had been undernourished. It's beautiful. Right, and then it, it can go the other way, too. Yep. So, you know, when I'm around Catholics and we're sharing our experiences of faith and faith development, they're like, really? You study your Bible? I want to study my Bible. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they are start, they've had the mystical experiences, but they are longing to study their Bibles and yeah. to be freed to study their Bible on their own yeah. and to learn things from the Bible. You know, so I just, it's fascinating, isn't it? No matter where you start, probably you're going to come to a place where where you started isn't going to take you where you need to go. And then oftentimes, I think the most beautiful thing that happens is when people move in that direction and then God eventually brings them back yes. around to where they started. And we've had that happen over and over again in the Transforming Center. Um, but it's like a more, it's a simpler, more yet more robust expression of it. Yeah, God returns, yeah, God returns it to them in mm. a beautiful way that now has meaning for them. <sighs> Something that became empty now has meaning because it's whole. It's a part of their wholeness now. And, and it's a full integration of every aspect of life into the person that I am now. Like, God doesn't waste anything. Right. God doesn't waste my Protestant evangelical upbringing. God does not waste my Catholic upbringing. God is eventually going to bring it all together in a, in a beautiful whole. And because of that, when we, if we leave one tradition to, we don't have to say that that tradition's bad or that that, expre that experience was bad. Maybe it was bad and it's okay to say that it was bad if it was, but you don't have to have it be bad in order to, you can be grateful for it and you can move on um, and see it all as part of belonging. Ruth, one of the things that I like about the Myers-Briggs is that all four of the to I don't know what you would call it, but the the two opposing you know extroversion yeah. introversion the, yeah the dyads I think are they called the dyads? dyads yeah, yeah. dyads mm -hmm. um, I should know that because I was a psychology mm -hmm. major yes but, yes you should um, Doctor Steve <laughs> but I like that they you, you they're, they're seen as a spectrum like yes. and 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 sort of a knob or, or like a um, you you move backwards and forwards along the spectrum how does that reality help us not be so one sided in our spirituality. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me answer have, that yeah, question. Yeah, thank you. Those are your leading questions. Every I know once it's in a while, leading, I know it's I a do, leading question. I do when, ask a leading question. You do. And really and what I'm, I'm saying I, is yes. I want to say something about it. And how I know that it. is because I don't have the answer. I'm like, <laughs> he got something he's going after and I don't have it. That was really funny. <laughs> uh, well, I th okay, this is what I think. I think because a spectrum tells me I'm not this or that, I'm this and that, inherent in the Myers-Briggs then is this, um, is this understanding that I can move along uh, the spectrum. I can change and I can grow and I will change and grow. I've experienced that over the years. I think as a young pastor, I was extroverted. Um, and now I really consider myself an introvert and maybe that's because I've been a pastor for all these years and I'm sick of people maybe, but 
Um, but I also still know that because the idea is it's a spectrum that it's possible to change and grow. And I think that underscores what Mulholland is saying about nourishing the undernourished sides. And maybe not even so much changing and growing as much as becoming more whole in Ooh. that, okay, you good. know, in that, yep. in that you're accessing now more as more parts of the personality spectrum, you know? Yeah. Um, I can, yeah, I can access what I need. Okay. I like whenever that. I need it. Um, I like that clarification. Yeah. I like that clarification. Oh, that's good. Well, I think it's, that's, that's what he's done that I have found to be, to be so helpful. I do think that his conversation, his writing about the risks is, is really significant because there's this possibility of a shipwreck, which we've discussed, where someone actually abandons Christian faith and practice precisely because their practice has been, I think, um, too one-sided mm -hmm. and there's been an undernourished shadow side that needs development. Um, there, it can lead to stagnation, which I think is part of what you're referring to when someone comes and says, you know, I don't, there's nothing here for me anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of stagnation. There's no power. There's a, um, a th there's the form of godliness, if we talk biblically, without the power of the spirit within us. Um, compartmentalization is another one. And I, I think this one's really fascinating because he talks about compartmentalization as being the ability to maintain the appearance of being on a spiritual journey while still indulging in unhealthy and disobedient participation in the brokenness of the world. Mm. I mean, he is really talking about a subtlety of, of the human person and the yeah. human situation that we can actually compartmentalize and say, this is my spirituality over here. Um, but this undernourished shadow side, I'm, I'm actually giving into that over here, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I don't bring my spirituality and my undernourished personality parts together for, you know, complete redemption for complete transformation. Yeah. Um, so that, and th and we've seen that, I mean, we've seen that over and over again, where pastors who have a lot of power in the pulpit have a, another life on the outside. Mm -hmm. They have a woman on the side, they mm -hmm. have, <clears throat> you know, sexual patterns that, that are clearly outside the realm of acceptable Christian behavior. So they're preaching with power over here, but the undernourished shadow side is having its heyday over here. And there's a complete bifurcation of those two aspects yeah. of life. Or they're really just angry and they treat mm -hmm. people poorly, you yeah. know. Um, the ang yeah, the issue of, of yeah, un uncontrolled anger. Yeah. I see and they just indulge it. I mean, yeah. anger is something you can choose to indulge. Yeah. Or that you can think, well, I'm working so hard, I have the right. Yes. To, to treat people this way. Yes. You know, so. Um, and then the other one, which I think is just real for all of us, the, the risk associated with one-sided spirituality where we only value our own type um, is we can dismiss and diminish those who are different. So oh, yeah. we can reject brothers and sisters in Christ precisely because they're different. And we, we dismiss them rather than receive them as but Mulholland would say as agents of God's troubling grace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite Mulholland phrases of all right there is that in the body of Christ, we are agents of grace to one another. Mm -hmm. And there are moments when someone is an agent of God's troubling grace. And he mm -hmm. says, people who are of the other personality type that I can't even fathom, I can either dismiss them, which is the risky side, or I can receive them as agents of God's troubling grace. And what he means by that is a person who's been put in my life by God in community to help me grow. Boom. 
Maybe that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a person. Yes, indeed. So, mm. so I, I, I want us to realize that when Mulholland talks about holistic spirituality, he's talking about a very serious and weighty matter here. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about um, cultivating a spirituality that's wholeness so that, so that these risks are diminished in our lives and so that, that we actually deal with these risky possibilities before they overtake us. And that's not a parlor game right there. That's, that's, that's really our transformation right there. So Ruth, how do we live well into our creation gifts, both personally and within the broader body of Christ? Well, I'm reminded of Paul's writing in Romans 8, where he says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, that we're supposed to view ourselves with sober judgment. And I think that involves not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought in terms of thinking that our personality preferences are the better ones, Mm. you know, that our personality structure is the best one. Um, But I think it also means being able to celebrate who we are as well and to lean into it and to see that, you know, the the personality preference that God has given to us, to see that as God's gift to us and to others as well. And so I would say that coming out of this episode, if you have a little time to Take some time to reflect on what you know about yourself in terms of personality preference. And you don't even have to know the Myers-Briggs to know this. You you don't have to be familiar with Myers-Briggs as a typology to know that you're an introvert or an extrovert or to know that you like open-ended spontaneity versus having a structure and a plan. You can know those things about yourself without knowing the typology. But if you are interested in knowing more, I think that grabbing Mulholland's book and seeing he's got some really great charts where he actually charts out some of the preferences and then some of the shadow sides and then what we can do to stretch towards wholeness. I think his charts are worth the, the, the price of the book, actually, yep. Yep. if you engage with the charts. Um, but, you know, to, to think a little bit about and to, and to pray a little bit about, um, first of all, feeling good about who you fundamentally are. Hmm. Can you feel God's pleasure upon you as the person that God has created you to be? And so in your time of quiet sit with who you know yourself to be and remember that God created you as you are mm. and see if you can't feel God's pleasure on you, the, pre- the pleasure of your creator looking upon you and saying, I'm glad I created him or her mm. that way. What a, what a beautiful person they are. Mm. What a beautiful creation they are. Mm. That's part of sober judgment is to know that these things are gifts. And then secondly, to think about people in your life right now that might be bugging you and to wonder if they might be bugging you precisely because they are different yeah and how do you respond when either someone is very different than you in personality or when somehow you're not free to exercise your preferred pattern Mm. um like you know i mentioned something in our own ministry that has to do with scheduling and how hard that is on me how do i react when i have to be scheduled and how do I feel when I'm trying to love people by being on time, you know, to, to really pay attention and to see what, what the invitation to transformation might be in those moments. And then this idea of stretching and Holland talks about this. Once I know what my personality preference is, then I know what my shadow is as well. And, and what am I willing to put in place that will stretch me towards nourishing that undernourished shadow side so that I can be whole and so that that part of me doesn't have to rise up 
and do something really shocking in order to get my attention, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I pay attention to it now, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and nourish it so that I don't have to find out about it in another way? Yeah. I think those are all parts of our spiritual reflection that, um, that could take a while, actually. So you might even want to have a season mm -hmm. of time where you're looking at these things and, and opening it up to God for his guidance for you in terms of leading you into whole, wholeness in your spirituality. Yeah, I think if you have a spiritual director, this would be a good thing to bring to your spiritual oh, absolutely. director, right? And work I agree. through for a season. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of that, Ruth. And um, I'm wondering if you have a prayer that you would like to close out the episode with. Yeah, and again, this is Bob's prayer. Um, it's how he was praying as he wrote, and I'm sure it's how he's praying for us now as we have this conversation. So shift from this information gathering mode. This has been a, a, a an episode full of big information. For some of us, maybe even new concepts that we're trying to grasp, but let's shift out of that information grasping mode right now to a place of open receptivity to God. It helps you to put your feet flat on the floor to open up your, your physical self, put your hands on your lap in open-handed, receptive fashion. Breathe deeply as a way of just stopping all the thoughts, but coming to an attention to your breathing and to your presence as God's creation today. Thank you, O oh God, for meeting me here in ways far beyond my knowing. I thank you for working in me in ways far deeper than my awareness. I thank you for your love that enfolds me even when I am most resistant to your presence. I thank you for your grace that offers yourself to me even when my back is turned. I thank you as I come into your presence for the infinite variety of your creative power in my life. I thank you for the infinite diversity that you have crafted into me. It makes me a unique person, and I celebrate that. And as I think upon this, I pray that you will enable me to be truly thankful for the creation gifts you have given me. Enable me to offer myself to you in them for the work you want to do in me and through me in my life, in the world. Amen. Amen. On behalf of Ruth and the entire Transforming Center staff, thank you so much for listening. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Community Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian Leaders. You can learn more by visiting transformingcenter.org tc. This podcast is a ministry of the Transforming Center and is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. If you've enjoyed Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can also become a partner of the podcast and get exclusive benefits by visiting transformingcenter.org patron. Thanks so much for your support and for listening to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership.